0: Well, if you turn your Bibles, we'll be over in the book of 2 Kings, chapter 5. Sometimes I read some of these stories a couple of times, and I'm not always sure if I used them or just read them a couple of times, but this one sure fits what we're doing here today. So, if I read this to you already, you bear, you'll just have to bear the re- repeat. But there was a church who had just changed ministers, and they were ready to be served by their first woman pastor. And one of the parishioners was having a hard time with this. Not so much because that she was a woman, any prejudice involved with that, but because his favorite pastime was to go fishing with his pastor. And they would go out in the boat and they would go fish. And he felt like that time was going to come to an end. And so when this woman pastor came and she fit in and she began to find out about this relationship that this uh, leader had, with the pastor, so she said, Tell you what, next week I'm gonna go fishing. He said, Really? You are gonna go fishing? He says, Yep, I'm gonna go fishing. So they got the fishing gear and they got out in the boat and it wasn't too long until the man found out that she did not know anything about fishing. He had a bait her hook and then after he baited her hook and she got in the water and she got a fish a bit, she he had to help help her reel it in. And once she once he reeled it in, he had to help her to take the fish off the hook. You know, help bait her again. And well, by the time the day was done, he didn't get a whole lot of fishing. And there's pretty soon a breeze was coming over the lake and she began to feel a little cool. She said, oh, I should have brought my sweater. It's out in the car. So uh, he said, that's all right. I'll row in. We can go get it. She says, no, 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 you don't have to do that. And she stood up, got out of the boat and walked across the water over to the where the car was. <laughs> Man looked at her and says, I knew it. She don't know how to swim either. We're looking at bias today. Sometimes we can go in with certain biases and they can affect the way we hear things and receive things. I looked up the word bias in the dictionary and it is a particular tendency or inclination, especially one that prevents unprejudiced consideration of a question or prejudice. Another definition was tending to yield one outcome more frequently than others in a statistical experiment having an expected value different from the quantity or parameter estimated but having a certain outcome more frequently a particular tendency or inclination this is bias we've talked about bias in a lot of places i think there's a strong bias in the media they just have been ignoring it. They've been trying to pretend like they aren't. Now it seems like they're coming around and admitting that they have a bias. But don't we all have some kind of biases, some kind of things that we tend to... Inc- we have certain inclinations. We have certain ways that we hear things. Well, we become biased towards certain issues based on principles demonstrated. Weren't you raised in certain ways? Or are no, there some things your parents demonstrated to you that you just picked up and you just kind of have those biases? You kind of have those... Those ideas, preconceived ideas about things. Principles demonstrated, principles taught, and past experience. Principles demonstrated, principles taught, and past experience. Now, you can take bias, prejudice, stuff like that. You can take it in all kinds of directions. We're just looking at this from the Word of God. Just looking at it from the idea of how we receive things from God or don't receive things from God. That kind of a bias. I put this in your outline. I can become biased to what is true or what is false. Isn't it a good thing to become biased to what is false? I'm not, I'm not going to go that way. I'm, I'm biased to the truth over here. I'm gonna, I am going I. tend to this way. I am extremely biased on the Word of God in that I accept that the Word of God is true. I will tell you right off the bat, that is a very strong bias I have. It affects everything that I do. I first off assume that the Word of God is true. Even if I don't understand how a certain thing goes about, I first off assume the Word of God is true. That is a bias. That is a prejudice that affects everything I do in as far as studying the Word. Because I come after it that I believe that it's true. There are some people gone through seminary, gone through all kinds of education that assume the Bible could be wrong. Now, I have a lot of books in my shelf and the tendency anymore is you have more electronic books than you have written books. But as we were going through school, there was there was no electronic books then. Everything was physical books. And we would be given a lot of different books and a lot of different materials. And I came across some of these materials and I could tell that the bias of the people that wrote it was not to accept that the Word of God was true. Now, there are some books that I have that I don't accept everything that they say. I don't like everything they say, but I've kept them. But as soon as I know that their prejudice, that their bias is to not accept that the Word of God is true, I throw them out. I don't keep them. I don't care if there are some nuggets of history or some nuggets of this that, I don't care. I don't. I do not want them. I don't want to read after them. I don't listen to preachers or ministers who don't assume that the word of God is true. I won't listen to them. I have an extremely strong prejudice that way, strong bias. I won't hear it. If I know that you won't accept every single thing in the word of God as being true, I will. I'll turn you off. And that is a bias. That affects me. I'm sure it affects you in some areas. There's some things that you hear. Some things we were raised on, you may have been raised in certain things in church. How many of you were raised in churches that didn't believe Jesus was the healer? And that affected that brought about certain biases in your in your doctrine in your belief. and as soon as you hear somebody talk about it, there would be a bias that would be there. A lot of you folks never came out of a, or never came to a Rama church or heard what Rama was or some of you folks knew about Rama and you knew about Brother Hagin. and your opinion wasn't all that high of him because of what other people had said about the person. And then here I come along, and you find out I'm from Rama, because there's a lot of folks who have bias towards uh, Brother Hagen, one way or the other. I really don't care. You know, I've talked with people and uh, had good friends with them, and they thought he was a heretic. Sometimes people came up to me, how can you have, how can you be friends with somebody who thinks he's a heretic? So, well, what he thinks of him doesn't really make any difference to me. If I can find things I can fellowship with them on, then I'm fine. I, you don't have to accept the people I like, and I don't have to accept the people you like. As long as you like them you're getting stuff from them, glory to God. But if you first heard, well, this is a Rhema church. This is one of those faith churches. Don't you didn't you have some preconceived ideas about what a faith church was? Then people instill on in you the first time you it may not be your first church, or word church, faith church, whatever kind of thing you want to call it. It may not be your first one, but you went to your first one. You, oh, these are those faith people. Oh. And you have certain biases and prejudices towards that because of things that they told you. Well, I think every Christian is a faith person. I thought the Word of God said that by faith you were saved. Thought we all had to be faith people. Then you get that uh, thing, you know, the name it, claim it group. And that gets out there. And, and then people are telling God what to do. And that gets out there. And we had some people hung around here for a while and never heard about that. And they tell people, well, I go to church over here. Oh, that's one of those faith churches. Well, what's that? And then we've had people call me up and says, Are we one of those faith churches? <laughs> and we'd have to help them out with that. And they'd say, Well, they say you believe that. I said, Well, have you ever heard us teach that? Well, no. Certain biases come out. And they affect you. And we have to be careful that we let the good biases come in and get rid of the bad ones. I can become biased to what is true or what is false. The Pharisees were biased towards false doctrine, weren't they? They were biased to their interpretation of the law. And everything had to come in line with that. Whatever Jesus did, they heard it, they saw it through the eyes of their interpretation of the law. And they had to hear it through that. And because of it, it affected the way they received things from Jesus. They were biased in that way. And it took them in a direction of false teaching and false doctrine. So you've got to be careful of bias. It can certainly stir you in the wrong direction. Over in 2 Kings, we have a story of of negative bias. In verse 1, Now Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great and honorable man in the eyes of his master, because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. He was also a mighty man of valor, but a leper. And the Syrians had gone out in raids and brought back captive a young girl from the land of Israel. She waited on Naaman's wife. Then she said to her mistress, If only my master were with the prophet who was in Samaria for he would heal him of his leprosy. Naaman went in and told his master, saying, Thus and thus said the girl who was from the land of Israel. Then the king of Assyria said, Go now, and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So he departed and took with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten changes of clothing. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel, which said, Now be advised when this letter comes to you that I have sent Naaman my servant to you that you may heal him of his leprosy. Then it happened when the king of Israel read the letter that he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and make alive that this man sends a man to me to heal him of his leprosy? Therefore, please consider and see how he seeks to quarrel with me. So it was when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes that he sent to the king saying, Why have you torn your clothes? Please let him come to me and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. Then Naaman went with his horses and chariot stood at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to him saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh shall be restored to you and you shall be clean. But Naaman became furious and went away and said, Indeed. I said to myself, He will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and heal the leprosy. Are not the Abana and the Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. And a servant came near and spoke to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? How much more than when he says to you, Wash and be clean. So he went down and dipped seven times into the Jordan. According to the saying of the man of God, his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. And he returned to the man of God, he and all his aides, and came and stood before him. We don't need the rest of all that, but just wanted to get this story to you. Does Naaman have a bias? He expected that the man would come out and call upon the name of his God, wave his hand, and the leprosy would be healed. How many of you have ever expected God to move in a certain way for you? Well, I expected that I prayed and it would go this way. I expected that that, uh, we'd ask God to do this and it would go this way. And we have a bias in that way. You know, sometimes we would hear this over at Raymond. They would tell us, some of the students would be there, they'd be praying for God to meet a financial need because... It was tough going to school and raising a family or keeping an apartment, whatever they had to do. And they'd be praying for God. God, come through financially for me. And they're looking for checks in the mail, people to knock on the door and drop things off. And here would come a job offer. That's not what they were expecting. Here would come overtime on their job. That's not what they were expecting. So our bias can sometimes stop us from receiving the things that God has for us. Don't let it stop you. Don't don't get in there with with all that. Naaman had expectation. Well, I just figured he'd do it this way. And he's going to walk away and not do what he was told to do. So the servant had to talk some sense into him. You know, if he told you something hard, you'd go ahead and do that. But he told you something easy. Go wash and be clean. Much more sense does it make? So he did. He goes and he washes and he becomes clean. And we know the rest of the story. But he had a negative bias. He had a bias in the view of the lands. He saw his land as better than the other land. How many of you see your land as better than other lands? I do because I live here. I don't live there. (laughs) I live here. So I have a bias that way. If I were to compare living here to living in Russia, I have a bias. I think this is better. There's other places that I've, I've heard of. We went down. One year we... We went down, we took a look at Mexico. Mexico was a nice place to visit. I like living here better. <laughs> There's You can get certain biases there. Don't you think it's your hometown is, is best? That's why you live there. You know, how many of you have a desire to go out to Arizona? Oh, a couple people, huh? I have no desire to go out to Arizona. I like it here. If I wanted to go out to Arizona, I'd probably be out there. But I like it here. We can get certain biases that are That are out there. Of course, everybody always likes the grass is always greener on the other side of the fence, you know. People want to go down to Florida. I don't want to go to Florida. I like to visit Florida. I don't want to live in Florida. You won't catch me living in Florida. I I don't like their grass. They have horrible grass. I wouldn't enjoy going out there and cutting it. I wouldn't go out enjoy taking care of it. I don't like to have to have a net around my pool to keep out the critters and have to watch for alligators and... And snakes in the filter and all that other stuff. Now, I'd, I'll go down there and visit Florida, but I think I'll I'll stay up around here. But, you know, no matter where you go, you're going to find some bad stuff. Some folks like Florida, they go on down there, find out they get hurricanes. I don't know how they didn't know that before. <laughs> I would go down to Florida to, to visit a hurricane. I've told you that before. I think that'd just be the most fun thing in the world. Go down there, find a nice high rise. And just for a one or a two. And I'm not talking three or four or five. I'm not talking <laughs> ones that knock out the whole buildings and and things like that. just one that's a, that's a really good storm. Because we don't get them up here. Just get up in there in a the high rise. There's no power. There's no surge that's going to come get you or nothing like that. Just sit there and watch the thing. That'd just be fun. That's that's not your idea of fun. I understand that. But that's my idea of fun. My son and I, one day, we'll go out there and we'll we'll sit out there in Florida and find one that comes on in. <laughs> we'll have some fun with it. But... Some folks don't like all that sort of stuff. You see, here in Pennsylvania, you get shielded, You don't get hurricanes. You don't get uh, much with tornadoes. There's not much going on with earthquakes. When was the last time we had a blizzard? I mean, we just don't get a whole lot of really extreme weather. We get a lot of weather, but just not a lot of extreme weather. So it's kind of a nice spot to, to be in. But you can get a bias. Naaman had the bias that his land was better than Israel's land. His rivers were better than Israel's rivers. He wanted to be in his place. He wanted to wash in his place. If he's going to wash somewhere, I'd rather wash back home. Make sure you don't get that bias going on. And they get a negative bias. The Pharisees were biased towards their view of the law. Abraham was biased by fear. Fear came upon him. He was fearful it affected his family. He was fearful they are going to kill him. He was fearful they are going to like his wife and kill him. And that fear was passed on to his kids. And they did the same thing. You can have certain biases created by fears. You can have biases brought on by all these things. Just don't let them get a hold of you. Because they can get a hold of you in a negative way. And if you have a, a negative bias toward receiving the things of God, it doesn't matter whose prayer line you get in. doesn't matter who lays hands on you or what you ask God for or what you're believing for. Because you've got a bias. And God can't get through it. And there are times God has to get through some, some things in your biases. Well, let's go over to the positive side because it sure is a, a lot more fun to look at the positive side. Over in Luke chapter 17, verse 11. Now it happened as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers, who stood afar off, and they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, Go, show yourselves to the priests. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned, and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face, at his feet giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. Well, when they came to, to God, they stood afar off. Why did they stand afar off? Everybody else is coming up to Jesus. They stood afar off because they were lepers. And they weren't supposed to get close to people. Did Jesus ever require lepers to stay a distance from him? Not as far as we know. In fact, there is a story over in Mark chapter 1, verse 39. And he was preaching in their synagogues throughout all Galilee casting out demons. Now a leper came to him, imploring him, kneeling down to him and saying to him, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Sounds like he got pretty close. Then Jesus moved with compassion, stretched out his hand and touched him. Well, if he didn't have to walk toward him, he just had to stretch out his hand. The guy's pretty close to him. I am willing, be cleansed. And as soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. Well, what do you think about that? I went, did he not hear about this story? A leper came right up to him. But here you got 10 lepers and they stand afar off because that's what they're supposed to do. So they had that bias that held them a little bit further back. But when Jesus didn't come over, lay his hands, didn't wave his hand, didn't make them tell them to go wash in the river or any of the things they may have heard about before, he just said, go show yourself to the priest. They didn't look at themselves and say, well, we're, we're not healed yet. They didn't come with any bias on how he was going to do this. He just said, "Go show yourself to the priest." They turned and went to the priest. That's a good way to receive from God. No matter what God says to do, be willing to do it. Because Jesus did. I mean, we we look in services today. Most times, when people come up for prayer, people lay hands on them. We don't see anybody spitting in their eye, putting their fingers in their ears, spitting on their tongue. We don't we don't hear anything about that, do we? But Jesus did all those kind of things. I mean, if you were in a prayer line and you were asking for something and the guy spit on you, how many of you would be taken back by that? And hold on a minute, I'm not receiving anything now, I just got spit on. (laughs) What are you doing spitting on me? And we'd be wondering about that. We'd have certain biases. But you get some people, they're so desperate they'll do anything. Sometimes we just got to be that way. Father God, I'm... I'm just desperate. I just want you to minister. I want to receive what you have. And you'll be willing to do anything. Go anywhere. Whatever he says, you'll be willing to do it. Well, that's what these guys were. They just came on up. and Now notice, there's no great meeting going on. They're not disrupting a the meeting. They're not coming in the midst of a meeting where the power of God has shown up and everybody's getting healed all over the place. They just come up. They see Jesus far off. And they said, hey, have mercy on us. Jesus says, "All right, go show yourself to the priest." We don't hear any kind of big transfer of power. We don't hear of any cracks of thunder, no lightning bolts, no special showing of the Holy Spirit, no doves swooping down. And they just go. Don't think just because anything, nothing spectacular happened, that you you shouldn't do it. We've told you this one before, this principle before, but don't. You got to believe because they believe because they turned around. And believed and went over to show themselves to the priest. They got healed. There's a whole lot that comes from just believing what God says to do and doing it. Not waiting for, not feeling the power. Not all that. Just come in there, get rid of all that bias. Get rid of all that stuff. Well, I expect that so-and-so is going to lay hands on me. I expect that so-and-so is going to speak this word over me. I expect they're going to do it this way. And I expect I'll feel this. Don't have all that bias. So they were all healed. All ten of them. And they one came back and gave them thanks. And he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? Did he say anything about to them about coming back and saying thank you? I mean, if you really want to get down to it, the nine were obedient to what he said. The one was disobedient. Because he said, go show yourself to the priest. And the one didn't make it. He stopped early. The nine went and showed themselves to the priest. But he was just so filled with gratitude, he came on back. He said, I'll I'll do what he said, but I'm going to come on back right now and say thank you there. The nine went on. We don't hear much about the nine, not that we hear a whole lot more about this guy either. But when he comes back in verse 19, well, verse 17, so Jesus said, were there not ten cleansed, but... Where are the nine? Were there not any found to return to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Arise, go your way. He didn't even tell him to go back to the priest, did he? Now, if he wants to be declared as being healed, he has to. That's just the, the law. He would always wear that, that label of a leper until he goes back to the priest and gets checked out. And the priest would say, Alright, he's, he's clean. And then he wouldn't have to abide by all those restrictions that lepers had to abide by. But no bias. Don't have a bias. If, God, if you come and you need God to touch you, you need God to heal you, there are times you're going to do this on your own. There's going to be times you're going to operate this way on, your, on yourself. We have been meditating on some of that. There's an aspect of this we haven't quite gotten into a whole lot. But I think we will. Not necessarily in this series. I think we're going to tie it into a series to come. But, you know, it's a whole lot better to to live victorious over sickness every day than to constantly be healed. And there's principles that you can live by that you can be victorious over sickness and disease every day. And not just go from healing to healing. I maybe like that better. That's a whole lot better to just walk in victory in those things. But there's a lot of things that people do that goes against it. It just goes against it. And so we'll go to take you through the Word of God and show you some things and And that you'd be surprised to find out some of the things that are... They're so in a whole nother ballpark than healing. But we'll take some time and we'll we'll show you that. We're more looking into, into this aspect, the healing aspect of it. We'll get into some of those other things down the road here. But here in this, we looked at... In the times past, we looked at Isaiah chapter 10, verse 27, where it says the anointing breaks the yoke. And if the anointing is what breaks the yoke, then we must do whatever is necessary to learn about that anointing. To get that yoke broken, some of you have had sickness and disease, problems, pains that have plagued you for years. Is that right? You want to get that yoke broken. You want to get that thing done. What do you have to do to break that yoke? What do you have to do to get that over with? Well, you have developed certain biases just because you carried that thing around for a while. Bring you this example. How many have ever heard a a uh, advertisement? Gotten a news uh, email newsletter, some kind of thing in the mail, advertising a special financial breakthrough seminar. All gotten those right. Comes in the mail. If you come out to this special financial breakthrough seminar, your finances that have been bound up all these years will get broken through. So and so has an anointing to set free people free. From financial burdens, financial bondage, you need to come on out. and then when you get on out there, because how I many all know some of you you've been going out today oh, because you're so desperate financially, you needed something and you knew God had the answer. so you go out to the financial breakthrough seminar and you sit in there and hear this persons teaching you some, some things from the word of God and they're exhorting on some things in the Word of God. and then I get to the end and it says, now if you really want to have that breakthrough, you need to sow an offering. Because I have special breakthrough anointing. And if you sow an offering into this ministry, (laughs) Come on, you all heard that one? Been in there with those things? Well, the reason they do them is, you know, the first person who came up with that, it worked. People, wow, this is great. I never heard of a financial breakthrough anointing. Yeah, I'm going to sow into this. And they sowed in some money to that thing. And then, you know, folks would get on out there and they say, now, if you really want to have a breakthrough, you need to really sow. We're not talking about $10 sewing. We're talking $100, $1,000 sowing. You need to, to dip into that savings account. You need to take out some of that security you got. And you need to sow that offering. And people did. <laughs> we don't have financial breakthrough offerings here. <laughs> you don't find a financial breakthrough offering in the Word of God. You don't find Jesus getting out there and saying, I have a special financial breakthrough anointing on me. And if you sow into this you sell into this offering, you'll get a breakthrough. That don't happen. Folks, there are not financial breakthrough anointings. Make sure you stay with what's in the Word of God. There's healing anointings, not financial breakthrough anointings. But anyway, we got back to our point. you heard these advertisements. You've seen these people. You've been out to some of these meetings. And you did it. Or you know people who did it. And they sold a $100 check Thousand dollar check, and nothing happened. Nothing broke through. Still in the same problem, just poorer now, because the money is out of the savings account. They have to be poorer now. What happens the next time that you hear special financial breakthrough seminar? Do you not have a certain bias now that comes up? What do you? What comes up when you? Oh, that don't work. That don't work. That's not right. I'm not going to that. And you don't go there anymore. But you did initially. And you put some faith in it. Put some confidence in it and sewed into the thing. Ah. Special financial breakthrough seminar. So you've got to be careful of that stuff. You've got to make sure that the anointing that people are talking about is in the Word of God. There's this guy who was on the radio. I don't know that he's on the radio anymore. This was years ago. Because, you know, I'm an old man now. (laughs) This is years ago. There's this guy who'd come on the radio. I don't know why I was listening. I guess I think I was on the road a lot at the time. And he would come on the radio after a particular favorite person I had. And Sometimes I just would leave it on just to chuckle. But he'd always end up the radio show in the same way. And he would have spiritual eyes. And he would say, I see somebody right now. Writing a $100 check. I see somebody else right now. Right now, you're writing a $500 check. And he going through every radio show. $100 checks, $500 checks, $1,000 checks. People, he's seen them writing it. <laughs> he never saw me write one. I know that one. <laughs> oh, man. But you see, we, we hear some of that false stuff that comes in and it gets you into a bad experience with it. And you don't go after it anymore. Well, God is into financial breakthroughs. But do what God says to do. That's all. It's obedience. Obedience is what brings your financial breakthrough. When God says, sow into this, then you sow into that. Not because minister so-and-so said to do it. When God comes up the inside and says, I want you to sow this into that person. I want you to sow this into that ministry. I want you to sow this into that thing. Whatever it might be. When He says to do it and you obey it, there's financial power because every time God's commands have gone forth and people obey it, power happens. Power comes. Every time. So all you need to do if you want financial breakthrough is listen to God and just know God's going to tell you something. It may be on the financial area. It may not be on the financial area. Brother Hagan used to share a story with us on a situation... When he was out in the, traveling the road, when he was first traveling the road, he was near broke. Sometimes he just had enough money. Didn't have credit cards that day. Just had enough money to get gas to get to the next place. And one time he was finishing up minis at the one spot. He had twenty five dollars in his pocket. He had enough money to get, you know, get gas, get over to the next spot. And God says, "I want you to sow into that person over there." What do you mean? You want me to sow? I got twenty five dollars. I had to get over to this next spot for the next meeting. What do you mean sew into that person? And God told him, I want you to sew into that person. And he sewed the whole $25 into that person. How $25 isn't a whole lot of money, but when you don't have anything more than $25, it's a whole lot of money. He talked about it another time. God did the same thing. He had $20 in his pocket or something. God told him to sew it into this person over there. Now, he never got into the story about how he got from one place to another. What happened with that? I didn't get to hear that part of the story. I just got to hear about this thing. But he would share about this and how he was obedient on those two financial areas. And then, he's in a meeting, getting ready for a meeting. That night there was a meeting that was going to go on. And as he was resting up, just getting ready, meditating on the Scriptures, meditating on what God wanted to do, praying, he saw in the service six wheelchairs lined up on the one side of the auditorium. And he saw himself go over to the people, each one, and he saw him pray over each one and pull them out. And he saw five of them walk away from those wheelchairs. So he gets in the meeting and sure enough, looks over to the side. Here six people in wheelchairs over in the side. And he goes through and he does what he does in the meeting. And then at the end of it, he does what he saw in the vision. He went over and pulled those, prayed over them, pulled them people out. Five of them walked away from the wheelchair. Didn't leave in the wheelchair. Walked away from it. One didn't. Didn't get into, into what happened with the one, but... Five of them walked away from the wheelchair. Later on, he was meditating on that. And God spoke to him. He said, if you had not been faithful and given the $20 and the $25, I couldn't have done that through you. See, it establishes a yieldedness. You need to walk yielded to the Spirit of God. You want financial breakthrough, folks. It's not trying to find the right person to sow an offering into. It's listening to God, hearing what God says to do and doing it. Sometimes it's along the lines of money. Sometimes it's along the lines of going over and giving some ministry time or helping out something or just doing whatever it is that God says to do. I want you to do this. Yes, sir. You go out there and you do it. If you want a financial breakthrough, financial breakthrough is obtained through obedience. Obey God. Well, I have been obeying God. Well, you've been obeying God at your level. How's that finance level working for you? Oh, you want a a greater financial level? You know what you need for a greater finance level? Greater obedience. Well, how come the world don't have to do it? You're not in the world. Don't you worry about the world. Stop comparing yourself to worldly people. What they get is all they have. You moved yourself out of those rules. You're in another set of rules now. Follow after those rules. You listen to God. God, I I, I need to walk into greater obedience. If you want financial breakthrough, you want things to happen in your life and the finances, then you're going to listen to God and obey Him. And He's going to call you to do some things that are not comfortable. Well, I'll say amen anyway. (laughs) He's going to ask you to do some things that are not comfortable. He's going to ask you to go out here and minister to some people. Well, I don't have anything to give them. You got something? He's going to want you to give what you got. If you want to reap, you've got to sow it. It's not always money. There are times it is it is money. But it's not always money. Don't so we'll just get into this thing that's that is that money. And if you got up to the level where you're comfortable sewing twenty-five dollars, he's going to ask you to do fifty. Somewhere in some place. Don't just sew fifty. Well, I'm not I'm comfortable in a twenty five dollar level, I'm just gonna sew fifty dollars. Well, Was it in obedience to God to do something? I'm not talking about tithing. You know, your tithing is one thing. But after you brought your tithes before God, and God says, Alright, I want an offering from you. I want you to sow this offering into this person over here. Or this thing over here. There's obedience that's there. He's going to call on you to do that. If you want greater financial blessing, it's going to be greater, greater level of obedience needed. He's going to say, Get up at 6 o'clock in the morning. Get up at 5 o'clock in the morning. Get up at 4 o'clock in the morning. I don't know what's early for you. If 6 o'clock is normal, we may say 5 if five o'clock is normal, he may say four. If ten o'clock is normal, he may say three. <laughs> He's going to call you on some stuff. He may just wake you up in the morning, three o'clock in the morning. I got something to tell you. Not now, God. Can it wait till eight? Yes, it can. Good night. He don't. He don't argue. You want a greater level of financial areas? You got to have a greater level of obedience. Going to call on you to do some stuff. This is not even, uh, I'm not even supposed to be talking about this stuff. This is just extra stuff we're throwing in. But look forward to it. When God makes that call, I'm not comfortable doing this. Oh, 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 that means He's moving me into something. Oh, this is good. This is, oh, this is good. Get excited. God starts, how many of you have been in the grocery store and all of a sudden God's telling you things about people in the grocery store? And you're not comfortable hearing this. Glory to God. You're getting out of your comfort area. God's moving you into something else. Be, go, be glad. He's moving you into some stuff. So be obedient with it. But in this area of bias, don't set up a, a bias. Some of us have gotten so independent that all we want to do when we, get, when we need sickness and healing, or sick, sick, we have a sickness, we need healing for it, all we want to do is quietly believe God. I never want anybody to lay hands on me. I never want to tap into anything else because all I need is me. And there may be a time God says, No, I want you to go get, get hands laid on you by so and so. I don't need them to I don't need so and so to lay hands on me. What do I need so and so to lay hands on me for? I have a stronger walk than they do. I know more of the Word of God than they do. What do I need so and so to lay hands on me for? I don't need that? Hmm, go Washington to Jordan. I don't know why. Maybe they just needed to have that ministry go on through. How would you feel about it if somebody came up to you and says, you know, I was praying with God this morning and I've been having this thing go on and God says, have so and so lay hands on you. So here I am. You need to lay hands on me. How would you feel? Oh, that would be pretty good. That's all right. So you're helping that other person grow. You're receiving from them. God's going to have His power come through because you are obedient. And that thing is taken care of. But you want to get rid of some of these chronic things that have been going on for years and 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 years. And years, and years. There's going to be some obedience that you have to do. I told you the story before. I mean, I'm mean, i still running. But I wasn't for a long, long time. I'm still running. I don't have time to put a whole lot in it. I'm only running 20, 25 miles a week. And that's low for me. I'm. It, it's really low. Every time I go out, I run four or five miles. I say, Father God, you know I, I so much like six to eight better. Oh, there's just a big difference between four and five and six to eight. I just like that area a whole lot better. But I'm glad to be running. Love to be running. Now, I'm still out there and I sometimes run. And some of the things that help me back from it crop up again. Sometimes I'm getting ready for a run and I feel one of those other things, go feel something in my foot. I was at one time running and my knee started to ache. You know what I did? Kept running. I'm not, I'm not stopping on this thing. I stopped on this before. I'm going to keep going. Don't let You can get to where these things don't stop you. That stopped me for a long time. I was out of it for a long time. But you can get to that place. But you got to listen. See, it wasn't just a thing that somebody laid their hands on me and the next day I'm out running again. There's a series of obedience things that I had to go through. And God showed me this, and I did that. And God showed me this, and I did that. And God showed me this, and I did that. I shared all that story with you before. I don't need to get into it all again. But there's a series of obedience that's there. Some of you have some chronic conditions, and there's going to be some obedience. How many of you have been told some things by doctors about hearts? Chronic things about hearts. And down in your spirit, some things that come up to do, right? Get out there and do them. Exercising is good for your heart. Maybe you don't want to run. That's fine. You don't feel like you have to run. Just because I run don't mean that's the it's probably not the best exercise in the world. I just love running. I don't exercise. I don't run because of all the physical benefits from it. I mean it does have some. When I get into running my my resting heartbeat is 42. That's a good resting heartbeat. It means my heart's not working all that hard Most of the time. That's good for you. But walking might be better for you. you going on a treadmill. How many of y'all like a treadmill? I, I don't like treadmill. You won't get me on a treadmill. won't ever touch a treadmill. Hate them. But you might like them. Or one of those orbitals. Everybody got one of those orbital ones? They take a little coordination. I got on one one time just to give it a shot. Just to give it a try. But those things can... Whatever it is. How many of y'all know I ought to be exercising? God's dropped that in your spirit. I need to be doing something. How many are doing it? There you go. Good. I didn't ask how many aren't. It <laughs> says how many are. How many God has shown you something to change in your diet in your diet. He said you ought to eat this, you ought to not eat this. How many are doing it? Don't get in this don't get caught up in this thing, well, I'm healed. I'm here, I don't gotta do that anymore. You still gotta put good stuff in your body. You gotta put good stuff in your body. You know, you all know I love meat. But I know I got to eat vegetables too, and fruit. I love bread, and I love meat. If I have my way, I eat bread and meat all the time, and potatoes. <laughs> got to put some potatoes in there too. Love potatoes. But you got to have some of the others too. Get out there and get you some veggies, get some fruit. Don't just, don't just do fruit juices, they're good. But God made fruit. He didn't make fruit juice. Because He wants you to have the whole fruit. Get out there and have the whole fruit. Do it, but listen to your spirit. Your spirit's going to come up on the inside of you because you've got these chronic things that have been bugging you for a while. It means something's not right in your body. It means God's going to be telling you some things to do to correct it. To get it fixed. To get it right. But I just thought He'd wave His hand and, and... Sometimes it goes that way. Glory to God when it does, but... There's some things that you ought to do. Some things you need to to take care of. So listen to Him. He's going to have some stuff for you to do. Do them. But the whole time. Don't let your biases affect you. Don't do that. I I was meditating and praying on this. This came up on the inside of me. That there are some people here who have a bias. Not that Jesus is not the healer. Not that Jesus won't heal them but that they are insignificant. They don't see themselves as necessarily being worth a whole lot of God's time. And you need to get out of that. If you approach God and say, well, God, I I don't want to take up too much of your time with this. I don't want to mess with you too much. Stop being insignificant. God spent time creating you. He wants you right. Understand that you are worth every bit of God's time. Don't see yourself as insignificant. Well, the centurion was biased towards belief and authority, wasn't he? Everything he heard about Jesus, he just interpreted in his belief and authority. The woman from Tyre was biased to think her daughter's situation deserved Jesus' time. Jesus' attention. Wasn't she biased that way? Every time Jesus said something, what did she hear? I'm worth your time. I'm worth your time. Every time Jesus answered something. She didn't hear I'm not worth worthwhile. She heard I'm worth your time. So is God by definition, by the definition of the word bias here, is God biased? Well, look at the area of forgiveness. Is God biased in the area of forgiveness? Yeah. God prefers to forgive. God desires to forgive. God loves forgiveness. God is biased in the area of forgiveness. He'd rather forgive you. You can have a person who's been a sinner 50 years of their life and then come to God and God says, yeah, he's biased towards forgiveness. He's biased towards mercy. God says he'd rather show mercy than judgment. He, he prefers mercy. God's biased to mercy. God's biased to healing. How many times did they brought all these sick people and Jesus healed half of them? Three quarters of them. Most of them. All of them. Why? Because God's biased toward healing. That's our God. So is it okay for us to be biased? Absolutely. We've got to follow God's example though. Stay with God's example. Be biased towards the truth. If you're going to be biased in there, area. Be biased in the truth. I'm going to tend towards the truth. I'm going to opt the truth more than I'm going to opt anything else. I'm going to go to the truth. Be biased in the area of belief. I'm going to go with what I believe. I know what you're telling me, but I'm going to go with the area of what I believe. I believe this. I'm not seeing evidence towards it right now, but I'm going to go with the area of what I believe. I'm biased that way. I'm biased in the area of trust. I'm going to trust God. But my situation tells me I shouldn't trust God. I'm going to trust God. But look at what's happening in your life. I'm going to trust God. I'm biased in the area of trust. I'm biased in the area of receiving. I believe I will receive from God. I'm biased in that area. Well, you haven't got anything yet. It's alright. I believe I've received from Him. I'm biased in the area of receiving. I'm biased in the area of love. I prefer to love someone than to, than to do anything else. If you're going to react to a person, then I'd rather react in a way that uh, that's loving. Be biased that way. I didn't put this in your outline, but I put it in mine. wrote this down in it. Be biased in knowing what you will receive. Be biased in knowing what you will receive underlying the word "what but not in how you receive it. Be biased in knowing what you will receive, but not in how. You receive it. If you want to tap into the anointing of God, if you want that anointing to come in and break that yoke that's over you, whatever it is, be biased in the good areas, not biased in the bad. Be biased in knowing, God, I know this is what I will receive from you. I will receive a healing. I will receive walking free from that. No longer under bondage to that thing. Because sickness and disease, folks, put you under bondage. Heart conditions, don't they put you under bondage? You folks, you have a heart condition. Something going on with your heart. Doesn't it sometimes say in the, in the morning or at night time? Could be today. High blood pressure. Could be today. Then you got there rebuking those thoughts. I'm not taking that. Th- I'm not receiving that. Rebuking those thoughts. Be biased. In knowing what you will receive, I will receive healing from. I have a strong heart. My God has given me a new heart. My God has told me what to do to take care of my blood pressure and get it down. When we get into the next part of this this thing, you'd be surprised at how many things you do outside the area of health and healing. All the things that people tell you about health. You'd be surprised at how many things you do against the Word of God that take you out of the area of walking in divine health. And high blood pressure has a whole lot of those things you just learn what the Word of God... If you learn what the Word of God says to do and what to walk in, it's totally apart from health and believing and faith and all that stuff. Just this other stuff that He says to walk in, it would affect your blood pressure. It would affect it. You know what my blood pressure is? My blood pressure is dead on perfect. It is right there. Every single time I go, Everyone. It is right where it's supposed to be. What is it? 120 over 80, I think it is? 120 over 80. Every time I go, it is right there. Last time I was in the hospital, they patched me up from a hockey injury. 120 over 80. After two hours of hockey. Half hour waiting in the room. 120 over 80. But see, there's a whole lot of things that people do that cause a negative effect on their body. That's why I was just meditating on some of these things and, and God was showing me some of this stuff and said, yeah, well, I, I was thinking about tying into this thing but I said, no, nah, it's too much. There's too much. We've got to get into some of these things. We'll, we'll give you the keys for that because there, there's a way you can have victory over high blood pressure. You can have victory over headaches. You can have victory over heart conditions. What else? I don't know what else you're, whatever else you're going on. You can have victory over it. You don't have to have these things going on. Glory to God for that. Hey He wants you healed over those things. but don't have that bias. Draw from them. Don't have a bias. Well, I don't like that person. I don't like that minister. Well, that person's a man. That person's a woman. I won't receive from them. So what? Don't care if it's a man, woman. Don't care if you like the personality, you don't like the personality. You're not drawing off their personality, you're drawing off their gift. Get rid of the bias. Know what God is going to give you. And that you know from the Word of God, but you don't know how. There's something Jesus, Jesus spit on. Maybe that's how it's. Maybe the reason you haven't received because nobody spit on you yet. I have to have a spit in service. <laughs> no, we don't. Don't need that. No, you just you just walk in it. Don't get all caught up in the how. Get caught up in the what. What is it that you're going to receive? And that gets built up from the Word of God. What are you to receive? What are you to receive? So once you get that what in line, now I'm listening. How am I going to get there? How is that going to come about? And you stay with it. Now, I'll tell you one of the things that people fall into problems with. And I see this with people all over the place. If you just if you just take this next principle, I tell you, and you applied it to where you work, you'd probably get a whole lot better off where you work at. When God tells you something, just keep doing it. Don't stop. Just keep doing it. How many times have God told you something in the past? Want you to do this? And you did it for a week. And then kind of faded off. I'll pick on something that's easy. God says, I want you to get up early in the morning and pray. And boy, that came when you, that was real strong on the inside of you. So you got up at 5 o'clock in the morning and prayed until 5.45 and then got ready for your day. 45 minutes spent in prayer. Did that for a week. Solid. You were there every day at 5. The second week, you were there for Monday. But Tuesday was 5.15. And Wednesday, you got right back to it. Got up to 5. And Thursday, you got up late. And Friday, it was 5.30. And that was it. The next week, you felt bad about giving it up for the whole weekend. So you went out there on Monday, got up at 5. Didn't get up on Tuesday. Didn't get up on Wednesday. And you begin to fade off from it. Have we done that? You told God, told you to do something, then you start to fade off, and then you start not to go and... And then now, now what are you doing about it? Oh, I even forgot he said that. If God tells you to do something, do it until he tells you to do something different. Have you ever, have you ever been in a place where you have been in charge of people in, in the workplace? And you tell a certain person, keep this area clean. And they do it for an hour. And you come on back after an hour and it's dirty. Well, I, I did keep it clean, that was, but that was an hour ago you said that. No, you wanted him to keep going with the thing. You wanted to stay with it. Stay with it. Be faithful with it. Don't drop it. Don't let it go. If God says to do something, you stay with it until God says something different. If God says to cut that stuff out of your diet, cut it out of your diet. If God came to to me and said, Steve, no more pizza for you. I'd have to listen to him and no more pizza for me. Whatever it is, you've got to listen. And you stay with it until God says, all right, go back. All right, change it. Listen to Him. Be obedient to Him. Whatever it is that He tells you, you treat it as gold. Write it down. I hope all those books we gave you a year ago are not still sitting on your shelf empty. hope you've written things in there. hope in the back part you've written testimonies. Things that He's done for you. The principles. But you can even write in part of that book. When God tells you to do something, you know, just write that in there. God told me That I needed to exercise regularly. I needed to get up earlier. I needed to go to bed earlier. God told me I needed to watch what I was eating. No more TV dinners. Need to eat more fruit. God told me I was having a day of nothing but fruits and vegetables. Whatever it is that God told you to do, write it down you keep doing it until God says to do something different. Don't keep waiting for Him to tell you again. You just stay with it. And hang on. Keep going past experiences, folks, can get us to have a bias. I went up and had hands laid on me before and nothing happened. And so now I have a bias towards that. Well, I don't know if anything's going to happen. Stop waiting to feel something is going to happen and start believing that it did. These guys are are a long ways away. They are far off. As all the Word of God says, they can hear Jesus. But they are far off. Nobody laid hands on them. Nobody waved anything over them they didn't feel any power transfer no special service going on no special anointing is in the air and they just did it when he said go show yourself to the priest they just went you need to know how many have ever had hands laid on you in the past for a thing and have not seen it come about and you're still suffering with that thing in your body right now have you kept the faith turned on for that thing or is it you just even forget about it anymore you got to keep that faith turned on about that thing. You've got to keep going. Father God, this is a problem in my life. This is a problem in my life. You are concerned about it. I had hands laid on me. You don't need to get hands laid on you again. Power of God went into you. Just feed that power that's already gone into you. Just stir up that power. Power has already gone into you. Thank God for the power of God that has already gone into you. It's already there. Father God, your power went into me to do this. I am willing to do whatever it is that you say to do to fix this problem, to get this thing out of my life. Because I know that you have a bias towards healing. You have a bias towards mercy. You have a desire to see your kids get good things. So I thank you for the way that you are working on me on this. And don't get negative. Don't get down to that thing, well, I didn't get nothing. Don't even wake up and not, not feed that thing. You get up and you continue to feed that thing. You continue to mull over that thing. I am healed. The power of God is working in my body to bring about total cure, total healing. You just keep speaking to that thing, stirring that thing up, because that thing is yours. That is yours to be had. Would y'all stand up with me? Now if you have a situation in your life, you have something that goes on in your life and you hadn't gotten prayed for it yet, then you can get prayer for it. And whether you feel anything dynamic happen or not, it don't matter. Because the power of God will go into you because you believe it, because you receive it. So if you hear this morning, you say, I haven't got I got this thing that's been bugging me. Then I need to get tapping into God's anointing. Break this thing off. But I'm coming with a bias. I'm coming with a bias to receive. I'm coming with a bias of faith. I'm coming with a bias of expectation. I'm gonna be like that woman with the issue of blood, she was biased. She definitely was biased. I know I'll receive. I know I'm going to get this. All I've got to do is this. Have that bias. Be ready. Father God, I thank God. I don't care who prays for me. I'm going to get it. That power of God is coming on me. And the wisdom of God will lead me and guide me in my life to do the things my body needs. To walk in total healing. And to be in health all of my days.